For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to Anti-Aging Unraveled with Dr. Lori Gerber. The body is one of the most complicated systems in the universe. Dr. Gerber and her guests explore integrative medicine and cosmetic dermatology, combining traditional medicine, alternative health practices, new innovations, and technology, which work together to help you look and feel natural and age gracefully. Now, here is your host, Dr. Lori Gerber. Hi, everyone, and good evening. Um... I seem to have picked a cold one for a spring night uh, in Philadelphia, but um, nevertheless, I am waiting for a guest come halfway through our show that uh, will hopefully give us some ways to warm up with a triathlon series um, in Bucks County. Um, so that's coming up later in the show about about halfway through. Um, I do have a glass of wine in his honor, so I will bring that out later. Um, he is a sommelier, so um, we'll be happy to welcome Anthony Accardo when he comes on. Um, but I did do a poll um, this weekend uh, about what we everyone wanted to hear this weekend. And, you know, the consensus was people wanted to know about cosmetic dermatology and the different types of injectables and really what they were used for and how we can kind of use them in the face and other places. So um, I thought I would start with giving a little bit of a history of the most famous and most popular um, cosmetic dermatology product on the market. Um, which is Botox Cosmetic. Um, it is one of, I guess, five brands now that are what we consider neurotoxins. So when I talk about these um, injectables and topicals, we're going to break them down into categories. I'm going to try to make this really simple. Um, I did have a bunch of questions that came in right before the show on Facebook when I kind of announced what we were doing today. So I'm going to try to work them into the show tonight. So um, bear with me. If you do have any questions, you can reach out on um, info at mydrlori.com. That's M-Y-D-R-L-O-R-I.com or on my name, Lori Gerber, D-O on Facebook or Instagram um, with some questions. I will try to pull them up as we go moving forward. And of course, allergies are getting me tonight. So uh, just bear with me. My, my voice is uh, struggling a little bit, but I'm going to try to get through this for you guys. So First things first is let's kind of bring him to Botox. And Botox is something that stops movement, all right? So it works by stopping the actual muscle from contracting. And it sounds a little bit scary. Um, we all think of botulism. So I thought, let's get into a little bit of the history of Botox. It's kind of interesting. Um, you know, Botox is done by over 1.5 million um, injections in the United States a year. Um, and it's going up and up and up. It's actually probably closer to 1.7 at this point. Um, I don't know with COVID, they're all rushing in now, but, and, you know, we kind of look at the world or at least I look at the world and I can't believe that there was even a time before Botox, but, um, you know, it was not always used for cosmetic purposes. It only became cosmetic in 1996. Um, and it had a really strange kind of evolution and, you know, started with food poisoning and then in the optometry ophthalmology world and, and even the U S military. So, to back up a little bit, um, 
1895, there was a Belgian bacteriologist who discovered um, what we would call Clostridium botulinum, which is botulism. Um, and he discovered it in home cured ham. So think back to when, you know, we're canning our own foods or we're making our own foods and, you know, it was linked to botulism. And that's why I think a lot of people are scared of Botox or Botox or other brands. And really that's the bug, right? That's the actual bacteria, but we're not, we're not really talking about that bacteria. We're talking about the protein that it makes. Um, so it caused food poisoning, found a lots of strains. There were actually seven strains of botulinum um, and they labeled them very creatively, A through G. And four of them, A, B, E, and F, were actually found to cause sickness. The rest of them were not. So, you know, we have this, this bug that causes sickness with the protein that it makes. And then we have these other proteins that actually just don't do anything like that in the human body. Um, so if we fast forward to World War II, um, Dr. Edward Shantz was commissioned by the U.S. Army, actually, to study botulinum, botulinum toxin A to see if it could be used in the military. Um, and... And actually, it, he actually was able to purify it into a crystal form for use in the U.S. Army as, as a biologic. So um, I find that to be a little bit disturbing and interesting. Um, so the crystal form was created, which would be Botox A. And then in 1953, um, we actually started using very small amounts, Dr. Vernon Brooks, to um, the uh, hyperactive muscles. So anything that was like... Um, ropey or tight and think about a neck that might be tight or a shoulder that might be tight to relax the muscle. And he, he showed that it could be used to actually cause muscular relaxation. So that's kind of the door that opened to Botox as, or botulinum as an injectable product um, for muscle relaxation. And in 1978, serendipitously the year I was born, um, Dr. Scott was given permission by the FDA to start testing um, botulism on humans. So he re, um, published his results in 1981 that small doses of botulinum toxin could be safe for what we would call strabismus, which I know um, for those of you that are watching and listening to this live, you can't see me, but which is basically um, the eye not being able to go in the same direction. So it'll actually track in the, in the wrong direction, um, like a lazy eye, if you will and that they could actually get relief from that and they could get relief from neck spasms, face and shoulder and even vocal cord spasms. So we've been using this drug everywhere. Um, really, to be honest, probably longer than any other um, cosmetic injectable on the market. And then the big boy Allergan came along in 1988. And don't you wish you were Dr. Scott because Dr. Scott his rights to distribute got bought out by Allergan, um, and he had named this drug called Oculinum because it was mainly ocular, um, but it was later named, obviously, Botox, and it was used for the same purposes and got FDA approval for the strabismus, which would be the eye um, tracking issues, um, like a lazy eye and the eyelid muscle spasm, which are known as blepharospasms. So, you know... Botox became the new name, and obviously they're a powerhouse and a great advertiser and um, have really kind of cornered the market on, on what we would call neurotoxins. Um, I'm going to talk about some of the other ones because I did get a bunch of questions on those um, prior to the show, so I'll bring that in in a minute. Um, but in 1990, um, this is really where kind of I think the tide turned. Um, 
Botox was successfully employed in right, using it for writer's cramps, bladder spasm, um, excessive sweating under the arms. And most notably, actually, in the beginning was in cerebral palsy children um, to help relax the muscles. So, you know, the most popular use of Botox was actually, which is facial, was actually found by accident. Um, a Canadian ophthalmologist, Dr. Jean Carruthers, um, was treating with Botox in the way that, you know, was on label at the time um, and for the eyelids and saw that the frown lines in between the eyes were actually getting better um, and that they were looking younger over time. So she published a um, study and saying that treating blepharospasm or directly Botox could treat brow wrinkles. So um, by 1997, it became kind of a crazy across the United States. Everybody had taken notice of using it off-label um, that way. And the drug spiked so fast that actually, if you can believe it, the United States ran out of Botox. Um, not unlike what was happening to us um, during the snow in Texas recently, um, <laughs> during COVID, if anybody um, is out there remembering that, we were unable to get Botox for several days and it created a massive backlog of Botox in the country. Um, so that's how it became what I would say from not mainstream to mainstream cosmetic. Um, they actually do have two umbrellas, which would be a medical side and a cosmetic side. So it is still used across the country and the world for um, neck, kind of what we would call dystonia, which is where the muscles start to tighten and they contract, frown lines in between the eyes, um, under our underarm sweating, really severe muscle spasms in different parts of the hands, um, fingers, elbows. Um, it, it can be used in MS. Chronic migraines is a big one. It is FDA approved for migraine therapy and works excellently um, in the bladder for urinary incontinence and um, what we would call upper limb spasticity, which um, would be kind of involuntarily moving um, upper limbs and, and trying to get them to relax. Um, and obviously forehead, crow's feet, and in between the eyes. So um, there are the, all the approved temporary treatments with Botox. Um, there is talk now of using Botox to treat depression. Um, they've also been using it for irregular heartbeat after bypass procedures, um, scalp injections for um, keeping actually hairstyle from the, keep the sebaceous glands and the sweat glands from releasing to keep hair um, less greasy. Um, foot pain with high heels, so like neuromas it's been used in. So there's tons and tons of ways to use Botox. And I think um, ways that we don't use it that I think are underutilized um, is down the neck. And I don't know. Let me go back to my screen so you guys can see me. So in the neck, we get these bands, and these bands are called platysmal bands. And to soften those bands and actually get some of the necklace lines gone, maybe even some of the um, chin drooping gone, or even jawline slimming, right? We can slim the, the muscle that bites um, and chews our food. Um, we can also slim the other muscles that are around there to give us a, a straighter contour or a slimmer contour. Um, and by the same token, we use it for TMJ, which is the jaw joint, um, by treating the muscles around the, um, the muscles of mastication or how, when we chew um, so that you don't have that effect of tightness or maybe as much grinding at night. It gives you a great relief um, for about four to six months. So, you know, I think that, uh, oh, chin dimpling, I did miss that one. 
the cult, I call it the thinker space and some of the downturns of the mouth um, are really um, important ones. Really popular right now is called a gummy smile. So I actually have one. I'm going to give you guys on video a smile. And what you do is you actually put a little bit of um, neurotoxin or Botox right at the top edge of the lip. And that actually keeps the lip sitting a little bit lower so that it reduces the amount of um, teeth showing or gums showing when you smile. Um, duration, again, for most of these therapies is about four to six months. Um, most of the muscle movement stuff is about four months. Six months for, um, I do find sweating lasts about a half a year, six months. The rest of it's probably closer to four, depending on how strong you go and what kind of um, numbers you use. And I get lots of questions about pricing. I think this is probably one of the biggest things I get asked when someone comes in my office. And pricing is per unit. So per unit is a tiny little droplet, all right? Each area that I treat is probably about one to two units. Um, and I do a bunch of pokes. So every place I poke you, you're getting a couple units, give or take. So those units to me are the best way to quantify how much you owe, you know, how much you're going to pay. If you do it by area, the problem is, is everybody needs a different amount per area. So there is a huge fluctuation in the number of units that people will use. And if you're paying by area, it, you might be paying the same as somebody else that doesn't use as many units. So that is one way to kind of understand your treatment and to be an educated patient is to know how many units you're getting for the price point that you're that you're at. And I mean, for example, our office right now is $13 a unit. Um, at the events and parties, it's around $11 a unit, depending on the region. And, you know, let's just say I'm going to make it easy, use 20 units and at a party, it's $220. Most people use between, I would say 12 to 30, 40 units, depending on how many areas they're treating. Um, so that should give you a little bit of an idea. It all should be diluted pretty consistently unless there are reasons to dilute differently, but it should be diluted pretty consistently. However, physicians dilute their own vials. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to see and know how your physician is diluting your vials, how much are they drawing up into a syringe, and what is that syringe equivalent to? Okay, so that way you don't get ripped off. I mean, let's be honest, not everyone's straightforward and honest. Um, and that is one of the easiest ways to make extra money in this industry. So I think that's really important. Um, the other question I get asked a lot is, you know, how do I avoid droopy eyelids? And I think that is a very big question that um, really qualified injectors should understand. And the place where you can get droopy, there's a nerve above your eyebrow that comes in usually about midway or two thirds of the way laterally um, from your, um, the, the inside part of your eyebrow. And that spot is the nerve that holds your brow up, your lid up, sorry. And that lid, if it gets too close or if Botox gets too close to that spot, it can actually leave you with a heavy eyelid or even a little bit of a, uh, what we call a ptosis or a droop. You can get that from coming too far over the brow and close down towards the eyebrow. And you can also get that by doing in between the eyes. And it would seem like counter counterintuitive that you can get in between the eyes, but remember everybody's anatomy is a little bit different where that nerve sits. 
So I think it's really important. Um, everybody's got a little depression. So everybody take your finger, put it above your eyebrow, feel that little ridge line above. You'll actually feel a little divot. Um, it's actually a little tender spot. That spot is where your nerve comes out. If you have wrinkles right above that spot, they are the hardest ones to get rid of. So I encourage you to look you know, at your face and your doctor should know we stay about two fingers breaths away um, from that area unless we know your face and we know the tolerance for your body to um, get Botox in that area. After about two weeks that I've seen a patient, I definitely will bring them back in two weeks and say, especially the first time, and if they still have crinkling there that they don't like, um, especially if they have a lot of movement in their um, forehead around that area, I'll have them come back and I'll put a little drop in. So that is something that I think is critical. Now, the other question I got um, is how do you get rid of a droopy eyelid um, once it's there? And that is a tricky question. Once it's already there, you really can't. Um, but you can soften it or lessen the length with um, some napoline eye drops. There's a couple of brands over the counter that you can put in several times a day and literally just rub the eyelid. Um, Avcon A is one of them that we use. And you put it in several times a day and just rub that lid or that ridge line to try to stimulate that nerve to work. Um, it's always going to be more tired in the morning when that happens. And as the day goes on, it'll be okay. And then before sleep, it'll start to droop again. So that's, um, that's the best way to do that. So um, what if you can't use Botox? I did get asked that question. And I think there's a lot of reasons. One, your forehead's too small. You get too heavy. Um, gives you headaches. Um, it doesn't make you feel good. You get flu-like. And in that case, I actually really like the new smooth threads. They're called PDO threads. And they actually slide in um, to the forehead in different directions. I like to go vertically to actually counteract some of the horizontal lines. And I like to go on an angle, almost like a hashtag. Um, and they actually create collagen areas. So they slide in and they dissolve like suture over about um, a year, but they um, build collagen over about six weeks. And that collagen, you can just keep building on. So about every four months or so, throwing those threads in is a really nice way to counteract some of what's going on up in the forehead. Um, there's obviously lasers and microneedling and all these things. Um, Morpheus is a great option that we can talk about. We're going to do another episode on that. But um, that to me is a really nice alternative. Um, there is always the other brands of neurotoxin, um, Xeomin, Dysport, Juveau, and they work differently. They're a little bit of different shaped molecules. Um, and if you're not having a great reaction to one molecule, it's not to say you're going to have the same reaction to every molecule. So that is something that I do encourage people to try. Um, Dysport is a little, to me, a little bit of a stronger hold, a quick kick in and a quick kick off. And then Xeomin is a, um, a slower a kick in, slower kick off. It lasts about the same as um, Botox and, and Dysport. And so those are my, they're kind of my go-to alternatives. Um, and, you know, when you are, when you're trying to decide if you're going to try another neurotoxin, to me, Honestly, if, if you got droopy or heavy, um, I would back off my units a ton. Try half of what you tried because anything's better than nothing, even if we lighten the muscle load and we shrink the muscles down. That's my first go-to. So that's how I would start. And then honestly, I would probably try another toxin. 
And after that, I would probably use the threads. Um, the threads can be used everywhere, guys. So I think I underestimated the value of PDO threads for a long time. Um, and it's one of those things where I have used them now in several a good chunk of patients. And the lift, the, um, the collagen deposition is just, it's amazing. So um, I love it. I highly recommend you try them. Um, they can be used in the jawline, jowl, chin, neck, anywhere that you feel like you're, I joke, and you're melting, um, you can use them. So I'm going to switch gears. Anthony just logged on. Hi, Anthony. Um, I will bring him in in a couple minutes. And I just want to go through the fillers and kind of give you a little bit of an overview because I got, I actually just got a couple messages about fillers. So let's, let's get a little bit into that. Um, fillers are broken down into hyaluronic acid, which is a natural collagen precursor. Um, there is, um, there actually are still collagen fillers, which we don't really use um, here. There's something called PMMA, which most people know as Artifil um, in the United States. And there's calcium hydroxyl apatate, which is Radius on the marketplace. And there's something called PLLA and PLLA is Sculptra. So I'm going to focus on the ones that I use most frequently, which is the hyaluronic acids and the calcium hydroxyl apatates. The other ones that I spoke of, little longer lasting, have more of what we would call a granuloma or a scar tissue reaction. So you can get um, some kind of firm nodules out of them. So they're not quite as safe of a profile. You do um, have to do some allergy testing um, with one of them. So I, I'm going to focus on HAs or hyaluronic acids because I think that they have the most diversity. And I'm going to give you guys the analogy that I use. It's Goldilocks and the three bears. So you're picking a thin blanket or a thick blanket or bed, I should say, and anywhere in between there. So when you look at HA fillers or I look at HA fillers, really, I think it's up to the physician to tell you what filler you're going to put in where. Because honestly, guys, you don't know. So you're not going to notice a difference. It's going to be something that the injector will notice when they're going in there. Um, and then after the fact, it's going to have to do with downtime and firmness. And was it the right filler for the area? Did you get the result you wanted? I just got a patient today that texted and said, hey, you know, I did fillers. She's in upstate New York, obviously didn't come to me this go around and she didn't get the results she wanted. I asked her what area she treated. She said cheeks. And then she told me that she used um, regular Juvederm. So Voluma is the thickest. It should have been used in cheeks, jawline, um, chin, anything that needs like what I would call like a more three-dimensional contour, whereas you're going to pull it out in a third dimension. It is still a hyaluronic acid. It's still dissolvable. You can put in stuff and get rid of it. Then there is the Juvederm, which is a little bit thinner, comes in Ultra and Ultra Plus, but those don't go as deep. So they're really not what I would consider like building block fillers. They are like, caulk is probably the easiest way to describe it. They fill in dead spaces, like folds down around the mouth, what we call marionette lines or folds around the nose. Um, maybe a little bit of fine line and wrinkles and that kind of thing and lips. Um, they can be used a little bit for fullness, but the problem is, is they don't last as well when you put them in deeper tissues. Just like people that say that their lips don't last, sometimes when it's put in the wrong layer, that filler is not going to last. It doesn't stay there unless it's in the right layer. So, you know, injector dependent for sure. And, and then there's 
what we would call the thinner fillers, and that would be Volbella and Velour. And they are thinner. They are a little bit like applesauce and oil. They're different than peanut butter, right? So they just have a much different consistency. And those fillers are better for very fine detail areas. So really fine lines above the lip, um, maybe some really tiny downturns around the mouth. If someone just wants a subtle stretch of the lips and not any volume, we can use those too. So to me, those are the best options for maybe a female that's a little bit older in her 60s, maybe even 70s that really doesn't need a lip, but just needs to stretch out some of the um, the lines that are giving her like the smoker's line appearance. So, um, you know, the Goldilocks and the Three Bears approach for me is is going thick to thin and thinking about downtime. Um, I love Arnica. Everybody asks me not how not to bruise. Um, I know as an athlete, I use Arnica like crazy too. It's a natural anti-inflammatory um, topical or oral. I like to take it orally for my bruising patients or before or after. So what that means is you take it three days. I tell people like it's candy. They're mints. You pop it under your tongue. It's going to dissolve. You do it two, three, four or five times a day, as many times a day as you can remember for three days and then avoid all your anti-inflammatories. So any multivitamins, antioxidants, everybody that's taking the vitamin C's and the B's right now that are trying to be healthy and immune savvy. Um, give me three days without those. And that ibuprofen, naproxen, all those things go without saying because they make you bleed and bruise. So um, if you don't want me to put a needle in there and bruise you, give me the best shot. So that's what I say. Um, after the fact, they both work. Gel and Arnica tablets work great to kind of eat away. They chomp away at that bruise a little bit more quickly. Um, so that is, I got to the bruising. I got to the types of fillers. Let's talk about radius really quick and then I'll bring Anthony in. So radius is, people are scared of radius. I actually love radius. Um, I started training on radius before you could even push radius through a syringe. I mean, it was like literally like concrete guys. I mean, I would shake trying to get this stuff into somebody's face. And now it's, it's much more um, aqueous. It's, it's got 30% of calcium hydroxyapatite um, and 30% is what we would call an aqueous carrier. And they actually have lidocaine in there as well. So you don't have a ton of what we would call a, um, a uh, synthetic compound. It's not like the whole entire gel is synthetic compound. And I think that's where people get scared is they think this is massive thing that's not real that's going in my cheek. And I will tell you that it does give a decent amount of volume. So when you're trying to pull up a cheek, especially in someone that has some aging or even with some um, you know, chronic immune diseases where you get some facial wasting, radius can be a life changer. Um, and in all honesty, these products can be layered. So I love radius first if we're going to have a choice. Voluma over top, again, that cheek lift, um, and then some of the thinner materials. You never, or at least I never, and you shouldn't ever really use radius in the nose. Um, I love doing non-surgical nose jobs, but um, non-surgical nose job with a filler that can't be dissolved is, is a quite scary endeavor. Um, we like to have things near all the blood vessels that uh, we can get rid of. So um, if you're going to do a non-surgical nose job or a kind of like a little bit of a rhinoplasty with filler, we would use Voluma. Um, that Voluma, again, is dissolvable. It's the thicker um, of the two filler or three fillers. And that's my favorite. When we talk about fillers, the only one I didn't bring up is Bellatero. And 
We talk about their ability to absorb water. Um, it's a little hard to explain, but anybody that's been watching the news with COVID and seeing these filler reactions with COVID vaccine can maybe understand how this works. All the fillers want to absorb water and collagen. And when they do that, they actually have a certain predisposition. Each one has a certain amount that they like to absorb. And Bellatero has the lowest absorption of water and um, therefore it's best under the eye. So when we think about kind of getting puffy eyes, you know, you wake up in the morning of your allergies or you're swollen, Bellatero is the best for that area because it has such massive water fluctuations. Um, so that is the only spot that I, I love Bellatero for under eye. I use it a little around the lips, um, but it's really uncomfortable in the mouth. So I love it for under eye, very thin. It'll get you about six to nine months. The rest will get you about nine to 12. So it's a little bit of a, a less of a longevity, but um, doesn't have as much water. And then one more thing, because I just got it since I just said about the COVID vaccine and fillers. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk about this. So there are case reports of fillers expanding with COVID vaccine. Um, meaning they get swollen, they get puffy. Guys, this happens with like allergies, sinus infections, colds. Anybody that wakes up in the morning and their lips are swollen, girls that has their lips filled, the same scenario. Um, it's an immune reaction, it's an inflammation reaction, and it's a water fluctuation reaction. So, you know, the first couple days that you get that vaccine, when your immune system's revved up, you're basically fluid overloaded, they're going to swell. Um, not everybody's does, but the, the possibility is definitely there. But the great news is it goes away really quickly and it deflates antihistamines, Benadryl, Claritins, Zyrtec, um, all of the kind of traditional or the Ardhist, which is a natural antihistamine, all help to get rid of the, um, the swelling reaction. So um, yes, it's there. Um, Botox and all the other neurotoxins have not been a problem. I've been getting asked that question a bunch too. Um, they have no interaction um, with the vaccine, although I would not get it the same um, within probably about seven days of your vaccine, just to give your immune system a fair chance um, and not have any interaction with um, your immune system. So on that note, I am going to welcome Mr. Anthony. Are you unmuted, Anthony? I am. Thank you. Okay. Um, I hope you can hear me well. Yeah, I can. I'm going to turn down my uh, headphones a little bit because you're a little loud in my ears, but that's good. All right. So now that you've gotten an education on fillers. <laughs> sure. Well, I wrote down Arnica oh, because yeah. every, every athlete of a certain age wants to recover and build as much anti-inflammatory properties as quickly as possible. So uh, that one I wrote, I, I wasn't aware of that one. So thank you for that education. Yeah, Arnica is great. Um, I am a huge Arnica gel fan, especially. I actually keep Arnica gel in my tri bag um, in transition. So um, for those that did not give Anthony a proper introduction, um, this is Anthony Accardo. So he is not only a neighbor, but a friend and a founder of the Bucks County Triathlon Club um, in 2012, right? June of 2012. Um, he is a sommelier. Guys, remember I told you, I promised you wine. Where's yours? Okay. There we go. Um, and he is the co-founder of the Tail, Trails, for Tail, Trails for Tails Festival, um, which anyone that loves a dog, I mean, you have to go to that one because it's so much fun. And um, you're a sales manager for Allied Beverage Group in New Jersey and um, Wholesale Wine and Spirits Company, right? And it's Correct. former sommelier and general manager. Of Rats. And I just went to Rats for the first time the other day. So 
Really? It was. It was. I live, I don't know what, 20 minutes, but it was wonderful. So um, we have about 25 minutes or so. Um, he's got a ton of races. I'm not even going to go through all his races because he's got so much to talk about. I'm going to let him talk about himself a little bit. Um, and then if we want to talk about triathlons and his races at the end, we can, I don't want to cut them short. So, um, I guess first question is, who are you, Anthony? What are you, what are you doing on uh, the show today? <laughs> well, thank you again. And it's an yeah. honor to be here. Um, so I guess like most men, women in their late thirties to early forties, we started being in a restaurant business. Uh, it was so tough to stay healthy and it was so tough to not pack on the pounds and, and stay active. I was an athlete in high school, but probably took 20 plus years off, got fat and happy and, and drunk very often more, a little too often than you should in the restaurant business. And it got to the point where all right, I needed a change. Um, my wife, Amy, who, you know, very well, uh, was started getting in shape uh, when she turned about 38, 39. Um, I was about a year behind her and she was really bugging me. I'll never forget. There was uh, one day she came down and I'm just laying on the couch after a long night of work. And it was a Sunday morning. And she said, come on, there's a 5k right in the park. Uh, <laughs> it's literally a half mile out our door. Why don't you come and do it with me? I said, are you out of your mind? It only took a few months after that before I said, well, I, I better do something um, and get this life balance back. And then I was fortunate enough to get out of the restaurant business, uh, get into the wholesale beverage distribution business, which has afforded me to have a little bit more regular hours, um, have my weekends where I can race and train with a group, um, get myself back in shape. Um, but I did, I was able to keep the wine side of things intact because I've always been very passionate and a lover of wine. And I think like my mom taught me years ago, anything in moderation and anything in balance is not unhealthy. So I try to enjoy these days, wine, food, training, and, and life in balance. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a blessing that we were able to found BCTC kind of out of a need where there was triathletes in the area and triathlon was starting to become more popular and they were getting together in more informal groups. And I got to give a shout out and uh, credit to Tom Dillon. And I've done this many times. And if you've been at one of our meet and greet events or, or heard me speak, you always hear a little bit about this story. So I apologize uh, if, if you've heard it. So Tom Dillon started an informal river swim group up uh, just north of New Hope out of Virginia Forest Rec area. And it's something now that we've been doing for, for 12 plus years. Um, so it was a group of about six to eight people and they'd all get together and swim in the river. And it was just such great camaraderie. And, um, you know, out of that group, we really founded um, Bucks County Triathlon Club. Uh, I also got to give credit to Mark Eiler, who's moved out of the area. Some of you may know him, some of you may not. He moved up to, um, to New Hampshire. Uh, he was an integral part of, of also founding our club and getting things uh, going and, and providing the energy that we needed to to really put out group training events and keeping consistency um, and dragging people out of their comfort zone to come out and jump in that river and swim a mile down, which I know the first time I did it, I was scared to death. I didn't sleep the whole night oh, before. 
So was I. <laughs> and it's just a simple training. Um, you know, and that's the other thing too. I think part of the reason why uh, I founded the club was because, you know, the first few races I, I did, I didn't know anyone. I was scared to death. And just to have people to talk to and to gather with and to encourage um, is, is such a huge part of what makes our sport great. And most triathletes and general athletes in general um, are very, very supportive. Of course, we're all competitive, but at the end of the day, we're very supportive and we want to see each other do, do well. Um, to me, I've always said I'd rather come in somewhere, you know, in, in the middle of the pack and have my teammates and bring more people out and, and race with a group than if I was there alone and I actually won the race. I, I don't think I'd enjoy it as much as I do racing and, um, you know, training and racing with, with our fellow teammates. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, so I had some like serious fears of the water when I started with this club and, um, I decided I was going to do an Ironman and uh, <laughs> I didn't know how to bike and I didn't know how to swim. So, and I could barely run. So, um, if I can do an Ironman and I did finish one, I finished Louisville about, gosh, it's almost been five years. Um, yeah, I know. I can't believe it's been Congratulations. That That's so awesome. I know, but it was forever. But this team is really, that was the only reason I did it. I mean, in all honesty, I would have never gotten through my rides. I'll never forget my first long ride. And Anthony was like, literally, let's go up this hill. We were like 30 miles in or something. And I just looked at him. I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> and he waited and I walked my bike halfway up and they kept coming back to get me because I was slow as slow as a snail. Um, and this, the water swims are amazing. I mean, kayaker in the water, you know, help buoys. And, you know, y we all use pull, pull buoys now. Um, mm -hmm. But the river swim for anyone that's looking to get into this sport, um, it really helps get over your fears of open water, um, which in a very supportive manner. I mean, it's not like throwing you in there and, and just kind of letting you go. Because there's a current. And when, I think in the lake, you don't get that same effect, to be honest. Um, and right. I've done plenty of lake training and um, but when you're in a current um, and you maybe don't know exactly where you're exiting and you can't see your marks where you're, when you're swimming, um, it makes a really big difference. So mm -hmm. um, that's my two cents on the matter. Um, I started this sport because I was scared of swimming. I got sucked out in a rip current. So, um, well. yeah, that's why I started this. So my question for you is I've seen you training around the neighborhood. Good for you. Um, what have you been doing, you know, post-COVID, during COVID, how are we moving forward? I'm kind of combining two of your questions here, but um, sure. yeah, what, what are we doing here to kind of move forward? So we put out, um, for any member and even for non-members, we put out our training agenda. We put it out on our Facebook closed group page um, and we email it to all our members. And every week we have several uh, events where there's opportunities to get together to, to train as a group. So Generally, on Tuesday, we train with our partner club, uh, the Bucks County Roadrunners. So we do a Tuesday workout over in the uh, Yardley area um, at McCaffrey's we meet. It's called McTuesday. Um, Wednesdays, we're going to start the river swim. We were supposed to start tonight, but the storms and the weather, it, it was just a little too dicey. So we're going to start them next week. There's two sessions of 4.30 and a 6 to try to accommodate everyone's schedule um, as you said, you have to have a pull buoy and that makes all the difference in the safety in the world. 
the Fish and Boat Commission um, says, listen, we have no problem with you guys swimming in the river. We just want to make sure you're safe and visible to the, to the boaters and, and to each other. Even It's just a good safety measure. So that's why we require the, the swim buoys. Plus, it really our insurance really likes that, that we do that. Um, it's just a, a way to stay uh, visible and safe. And then uh, there's also new speed work now too. So we used to do speed work Wednesday mornings. Now we, we swap that. There's still a small group that does, but there's Tuesday night and Tuesday morning speed work with the Bucks County Roadrunners. Um, Thursday night, there's hills with the Roadrunners. And then Saturday, we do a group ride. And there's usually a handful of people that will run off the bike, but it's we're, our groups are starting to get bigger now that – uh, the season's getting here. So we do have two rides. We have an A and a B ride. So no matter what your pace. Um, now, we've gotten some criticism in the past. We are triathletes. We are not, <laughs> we, we're not cyclists. So we ride. Yes, it's okay if you have a TT bike or a tri bike. You can come out to our group. Sometimes we don't necessarily strictly follow the rules that cyclists file and how they ride in a single line. Um, but again, we're triathletes and we want to have fun. We'll ride anywhere from 30 or 40 miles up to 80 or, or, or hundred miles, depending on the, on the ride. And it's usually loops. So if you don't feel comfortable doing the long ride, we'll circle back around. We'll make sure you get back to, to where we started. And then we do another, another loop. That's and then awesome. Sundays we it really is right. like the loops because I mean, there, and then there's days where you just bonk and you just can't keep it, exactly going. So, um, and no one wants to get picked up. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And Sundays we, we try to mountain bike. We, um, you know, we like to be, or to offer, I should say some different type of, we're not just a strictly, you know, swim, bike, run on the road. We like, we run trails, we bike on the canal. We, we mountain bike in Nakamixon, in Washington Crossing, in Wissahickon. Um, and we have a good little group of mountain bikers. So if you just like to mountain bike, it might be worth it to come check us out and join our club because we do a lot of that. Yeah, I know you're getting I'm gonna into try. it. I'm going to try. That's my, my next endeavor, guys. I, I'm kind of over road biking. I've been over it for okay. a bit. So um, yeah. Going to mountain bike. So whoever wants to come out. So really quickly, what's the website for the Bucks County Tri Club? It's uh, BucksCoTriClub.com. So it's okay. B-U-C-K-S-C-O-T-R-I-C-L-U-B.com. But if you Google Bucks County Triathlon Club or even BCTC, it it comes up. So we've been fortunate. We've been doing this now for for you know going on nine years. So we've we've built a, a nice little presence on online to join this um just because we are going to have some questions about covid and number of people and all that stuff sure to join your to join the events you have to be a member right correct um Mm -hmm. so you know just so you guys know there's there's not thousands and thousands and thousands of active members you know we're you know we're a big club but not so big that we can't accommodate covid requirements essentially um so and what's what's the cost Yearly, it's sixty for the for an individual. It's sixty five dollars. Uh, a family membership is eighty five dollars. Okay. And then for collegiate, um, we have we instituted uh, a few years back a collegiate program. So now I know with COVID, a lot of colleges are different. But during normal times, you're pretty much done with school from May till 
till about August or September. So we do a May to September membership, and that is is discounted to twenty five dollars. So if you're a college, if you're in college, and we we have a few members that have taken advantage of that, we're still trying to grow that that area of our of our um, membership. Max, if you're listening, I'm going to put you in. <laughs> so he, he was texting me a few minutes ago, my 19 year old, he's going to, he's, I'm going to make him do something this summer. There we go. Good. We've so, had a few, we've had two um, high school students that come up with, that came up with us and fell in love with the sport and got college scholarships. Yeah. It's a great sport. I mean, and it's really, the cross training is, is amazing and the camaraderie is awesome. And that's, that's one of the things I was going to talk about. So how are we changing um, you know, how are we making the accommodations for COVID? And then I'm going to have you talk a little bit about our, the, the races that are, um, that we're doing. So we're lucky where our sport is predominantly outside. And, um, as you said, we're, 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 we're not a big club, but we're not that small either. We have a few hundred members generally to our group training sessions. And I'd love to see the, these numbers improve. We get anywhere between six and 20 that will come out. The River Swim being our most popular group training event, and that's why we split it into two sessions, a 4.30 and a 6, so we can accommodate more people in a safe manner. So we do our best to, to social distance the best we can while we're training. Um, you know, there's, there's, the CDC does not recommend wearing a mask while running or while training because it, it, it is actually more harmful because you're, you're spewing, you build up mucus and, and everything else in your you end up kind of spewing that. Um, so we don't require, and we, we follow the CDC guidelines of not wearing a mask while running, but we do stay, we stay distanced the best we can. Um, if anyone has any symptoms, um, we ask them to stay home. We trained in small groups through COVID and, you know, knock on wood, we didn't have any instances. We had no um, positive uh, members with positive cases uh, during training or, or during any, any group workouts. So we've been, we've been pretty fortunate. Um, you know, and also our sport has gotten just killed. The big events have gotten killed with, you know, with, with COVID. So the small events have survived right. and, you know, the other side, I, we, we do um, some timing and we help, uh, other organizations like the Roadrunners put on some of their events because we have timing equipment where we can spread people out. So in our race series that we'll probably talk about in just a few minutes, we're able to social distance everyone at the start and even through the finish and then spread everyone out because um, all these events take place outdoors. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, for those of you that don't know or are new to the sport, I mean, Ironman and other um, large races have, you know, 2000 people. Um, and spectators. So they've just been canceled everywhere. I mean, left and right. So um, the smaller local ones, that's actually, this is a new series I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do it every couple of weeks, um, just a featured local segment, um, just to feature local sports, local um, stores and that kind of thing. So, um, so let's discuss Feast the Beast. Let's bring it out. Let's let's roll it out, Anthony. <laughs> so Feed the Beast came into existence last year, and it was a hundred percent virtual series because we wanted to give our to motivate people to get out. Right? It was a really tough time. A lot of people were gaining weight. They weren't motivated. There was no live races, so no one was motivated to really go out and train or do anything. Uh, me included. 
So we founded Feed the Beast to kind of get out there and unleash that inner beast that, that wants to run and wants to bike and wants to swim. So we did it virtually and it was, it was a success. Uh, so now this year, we, and, and we waited a little bit to put it out because we were trying to make sure we did it right and got our permits and, or I should say, made sure we could get the permits because they're, they're really tough with permits right now. You, you go through the process. They weren't even allowing you two months ago to submit an application for a permit. So now they're allowing this. And the county's been great. Bucks County's been great. We also work on the other side of the river with New Jersey. Uh, excuse me. We'll have a few, a few events over there. And they've been wonderful to work with as well. Um, so it's a nine race series. We, you have to be a member to join the series. And you don't have to do all the races. And you don't have to be fast, fit, <laughs> or one of the top contenders to join this. Um, it's really, you know, it's, it's fun for everyone. I think sometimes some of the best uh, races I've done, it's when I'm a little out of shape and I just find someone to kind of hold on to and, and I'm not in my best shape and I just, I push myself through. Um, so we definitely want to encourage that for, for this series. Um, so there's, there's three ways that you can register for the series. There's three different bundles. There's a three race bundle, there's a five race bundle, and then there's, we call it the beast bundle, which is all nine races. Um, two of the races are virtual, um, and we'll, I'll go through them really quick and yeah, please enough. cut me off. That's okay. Okay. But I so the first really quick before you start, just tell everyone the sure. meet great date. So we don't forget so that somebody's sure where do, they want to meet us and they want to say, Hey, are these people real? Yes, we are. And we're, we're kind of cool. Um, we are. what day? <laughs> so it's, it's, um, the 22nd of May and it's going to be right in Washington crossing park. So that's a Saturday. So Perfect. it's going to be on the Pennsylvania side at the general green pavilion, that really nice pavilion right there in the middle. Um, and it's going to be a great day. So come out. We have stuff going from 9 a.m. till 5, 6 at night. We have bike maintenance classes, how to change a flat. We're going to have some group runs, uh, group rides, both on and off-road. Johnny King Marino and Advanced Sports is going to be there leading a foam roller clinic. Guys Bike's going to be there leading our bike maintenance clinic. So there's a lot to, to, to do. Go to the, yeah. to the website, and yeah, and you can see the schedule. And I'll be there, but, too. Awesome. So Feed the Beast, uh, the first race is, is coming up quickly. It's May 1st, so it's in about a week and a half. Um, and this is fun. This is going to be right on – it's going to meet right in the field by Canal Run West in, in our neighborhood, in Lori's and Mine's neighborhood, and which is adjacent to the, to the canal path. So this is kind of like a fun adventure race meets, um, you know, running race where you have to make your way to Bowman's Tower. So we're going to put out a map. We're going to put out directions. Um, but it's not going to be marked. It's going to be fun. So you, you'll run down about four miles down the canal path till you get to the bridge at the other end of Washington Crossing Park, where all the little, the goat farms are and the, um, the tower. You'll, we want you to go under the bridge. You can cross the road, but if you do that, you got to be careful. So there's a little, uh, trestle crossing where you can cross underneath the road and then figure out your way up to the top. However you want, you can take trail the road. Sometimes it's open. Sometimes it's not. So you got to be careful. Um, but, and if you hit that gate and it's not, you're going to have to go around, but that's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to, we're going to ask you to run with your phone, take a pick up at the top 
to prove that you were there and then find your way back pretty much the same way you came. So it's going to be about a 10 mile race. Uh, because this is in a private um, section, we are allowed to have some alcohol here. So we're going to be serving wine. We're going to be serving beer at the finish. Um, COVID friendly food. And this one's going to be a lot of fun. So that's, that's May 1st. Then we're going to do two time trials. The first one is virtual on May 8th. We couldn't get our permit. Jersey is not allowing any permits until after June. Um, so the first one's going to be virtual, but we're going to ride it as a group. Um, and then the second one is September 25th. This is on Route 29. It's a very famous uh, bike TT course. A lot of pros ride this course from French <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from Frenchtown down to to Bulls Island. Um, and then there's going to be a 5K. There's three running races. So the, the, the Touch the Tower 10-miler, the we call it the Beast Mode 5K. That's May 20th, and that's going to be in Core Creek Park. And then we're going to do a Peace Valley 10K in Peace Valley Park on June 17th. Those are Thursday nights okay. as well. So, so if you're just a runner, you can do the three-race bundle if you really don't like to swim or bike. Okay. And you know what? For your listeners, why don't we do, we're going to, if you use code MEMBER20, you're going to save 20%. So you have to join the club. So they're for new members. So if you join the club and then you put in code MEMBER20 for Feed the Beast and do at least a three-race bundle, you're going to save 20%. Cool. So we have like two and a half minutes. So I'm going to just like, just say a little bit really quickly. We have, the, he has swims, mountain bike races, Longer distance, shorter distance. I mean, it's pretty much all in here, guys. So, um, you know, a little bit of something for everybody. Obviously, you know, even if you buy a bundle and you don't do the whole, something happens, like this is very low pressure. We're not, you know, this is just about getting out after COVID, making sure that you're having fun with a group of people that are like-minded and want to do the same thing. So, um, you know, I think the meet and greet is amazing. Um, it's a really good opportunity. I actually always do a table there, um, explain kind of the way it works and about me and all that stuff as well. Um, but it's a great way to, we, do we have a speaker this year or no, probably not. Because no. Yeah. yeah. Because we're, we're trying to do it changing up. It's going to be a complete outdoor event. Normally we'd have speakers in the panel. So we're trying to keep that to, to a minimum. So for our sponsors, such as yourself, we'll have an area of table where you can, people can come to you, you can talk to them. Um, and, I've and give them your pamphlets and brochures and stuff. Well, as an, as an end note, and I know this is kind of like, you know, uh, cliche, but we have a minute and a half left. So I want to throw out there that um, one, Anthony was a super sport for coming on here today. Um, he's a really great inspiration and is, has been literally, I've seen you out a bunch, um, but is, is a great friend. And I think that doing um, something for yourself and getting out and trying something new is, is what COVID, if it's going to teach you anything, that's what COVID has to teach you is to be outside your box because none of this makes sense. So um, go online, Bucks County Tri Club, sign up, do your 20% off. If you don't remember the code, just message me at info at mydrlaurie.com. Um, or you can actually email through, I'm sure the Bucks County Tri website as well, and we'll sort you out. Um, if you have any questions on the fillers, Botox, all that good stuff, just email the same address or you can go on the Instagram, which is Lori Gerber Dio, and just um, let me know and we'll get you sorted. I would love to schedule appointments and I can do um, mini consults too at the, um, what's it called? The meet and greet and at the, uh, the first day, your, what's, I guess, what are you calling your open house? The meet and greet. Yeah. 
meet and greet, correct. So, all right, guys, I'm going to say over and out. This is Dr. Lori Gerber with Anti-Aging Unraveled. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Anti-Aging Unraveled. Be sure to join Dr. Lori Gerber again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week and keep you aging gracefully. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.